appreciate Doug filling in for us tonight for Alan and you know keep him uh, keep his family in prayer as I mentioned before and uh, with everything that's going on with his mother um, I, I I made a mistake this morning when I said that he that she was actually in the hospital today she was in the hospital over some during the weekend but she's home now um, but she's still dealing with uh, some things so just pray uh, for peace and comfort for the family um, as uh, they're dealing with that okay so let's go to first Kings chapter 19. And last week we finished up that, that series on Elijah's depression. And he's now been commissioned by God to do the task of anointing the king of Syria, the king of Israel, and finally his successor, which would be Elisha. And we saw last week that these three men, they would be used by God to bring judgment on Israel for their sin of idolatry. They would uh, be used to exterminate Baal worship. In Israel, and they would also be used to point Israel back to God. Now, tonight we're going to see that Elijah goes on his God ordained mission and he starts by finding Elisha. So let's look at uh, 1 Kings 19 and look at verse 19. It says of, Eli- of Elijah, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him, and cast his mantle upon him. And he left his oxen, and ran after Elijah, and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, and took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. And then he arose... And went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, we've had a good day in your house as we've been looking in your word and fellowshipping with one another. I pray that tonight you'll give us what we need from your word. And I thank you for the Old Testament. We thank you that you've given us uh, the book of 1 Kings. It's been a blessing to go through this. And I pray that you'll just speak to our hearts as we look at Elisha and uh, and Elijah. And we see... uh, Everything that transpired between these two men as Elisha obeyed the call of God uh, on his life. I pray that you help us to uh, be willing and, and just dedicated to being obedient to you in every single way. Uh, whatever that may mean for our life, I pray that you just help us to see the, the importance of that. And that you just work in our hearts through the preaching of your word. And again, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you know, there's one, one thing is true when I was going through this and, and studying this and looking over this, I thought about the fact that a lot of people do not like commitment. Uh, and it, it makes people uncomfortable to be committed to a person or to a relationship, committed to a church, uh, committed to a job, uh, a career, or an area of service. People simply don't like commitment. And I, I believe that's, this is evident by what we see in our culture. You know, we have seven-day streaming trials and 90-day return policies and uh, we have the try before you buy availability, and that really s- symbolizes the, the typical mindset that most Americans have. And now, while that is not necessarily a bad thing when it comes to consumerism, I want you to know tonight, it is a bad thing when it comes to the things of God. Uh, it's, it's not a good thing. So, in this passage, these three verses, we find a lot of great truths, but the main thing that we see is a man that had a lot to lose, and yet he committed himself to the call of God for his life. And I don't think it's an accident that God has us here tonight because we literally just looked at this morning 
uh, what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And now here we are talking about having full commitment to God. I mean, they just go hand in hand. So uh, it could be that somebody here, or maybe several of us here, need to commit our lives to God or just commit an area of our life to God. And God has us here for a reason. Maybe you need to, to stop pushing your will on your life and just be obedient to God. Maybe you need to stop living for yourself and start living for the glory of God. The Westminster Confession uh, said it right when they said that a, a man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And you know, we can only glorify God if we're committed to Him and committed to His Word. So tonight as we begin looking at this, I want you to just ask yourself a few questions. Are you fully committed to the Lord? Are you fully committed to God? Or, or are, you, are you wholeheartedly seeking Him? Or are you like a lot of people and kind of juggling, trying to juggle serving God while fulfilling their ungodly and worldly desires? Are you a Christian that's on the fence? Do you have one foot in and one foot out? Are you torn between being committed to God and yourself in any way? So let's go ahead and look at verse 19. We're going to begin here by looking at the first verse. And I'm just going to break these up in these three verses and see what we have here. First, we see the transfer Look at verse 19. It says, So he departed thence, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. So God, we know that, that before, when Elijah was in his state of depression, and as God was dealing with him, he, he told Elijah, Hey, get up and go to work. There's things that need to be done. And he did. So he travels from Mount Horeb until he finds Elisha here in verse 19. And he would be about 150 miles away from Mount Horeb. And when Elijah found him, he found him plowing a field. And he was plowing a field of 12 yoke of oxen. And this means that he owned 24 oxen. Because obviously there's two in a yoke. And that statement tells us a lot. For one, it tells us that Elisha was a farmer. But he was not just any farmer, he was a wealthy farmer. You see, back in this time, if you even had one yoke of oxen, then you had it good. So for him to have 12, meant that he had a considerable amount of land and wealth. He had it pretty good. And I point this out so that all of us here understand the gravity of what God and Elijah was about to ask Elisha to do. As he comes up, uh, Elijah comes up to this, this large farm. He sees Elisha, and it says that he casted his mantle upon him. Well, what does that mean? That means that he just threw his coat on Elisha. And this coat being placed on Elisha, it symbolized the transfer of prophetic power. It signified the call of God for Elisha. The casting of this coat, it signified the call of God for Elisha to join Elijah in his work as a prophet. As if to say, tag, you're it. It's time for you to come with me. Now it's, it's worth pointing out here. And I want, I want you to know this. I want you to notice here that Elisha, he was tending his field. And he was being faithful to what God had given him in that very moment. And now, God is calling him to an even greater task and an even greater life calling and you know, I know there's a lot of people, they, they desire to be used by God in, in some capacity, in, in a greater capacity by God, and yet they're not faithful to the field that God's given them right there where they are. 
Listen, whatever you're doing, in the, whether it's in the church, in the ministry, in your job, in your relationship, just be faithful to where God has you now with what he has you doing now. Be faithful to tend your field well. And that's what we see here with Elisha. Elisha was faithful with what he had, and he could be trusted with something much greater. Now, as we see this here, we see God calling Elisha uh, to do this. Physically, the call of God would seem like a loss. But spiritually, it would indeed be a gain. But I want you to think about this for a minute. And, and, and this is just, was just funny to me when I was considering this. Think about the scene. Think about Elijah. And remember, he, he was just in the pit of depression. I mean, he, he, he wanted to die. He hated what was going on with everything. And he rolls up to this farm where Elisha is. He throws this coat on him as if to say, hey, you got a new job. It's time to leave your life of making money. It's time to leave your life of easy living. And just leave it all behind and come with me. Come and do the work of God with me. Now I wonder if, if with Elijah there was maybe like a sense of pity on Elijah's part as he did this. I mean, here he sees this young man, okay, who has it pretty good. He's being, and, and, and Elijah's being used by God to inform this young man that he needs to give up what he's doing now and now do what he's doing. Uh, again, consider the fact that Elijah had just been greatly depressed. His job doing this work of God caused him to get, go into a depression. So he knew what was involved with this call. He knew what God uh, would, have, would have him go through during this time. He knew the discouragement and the lows that, that Elijah would go through as a prophet of God. And it's as if Elijah was telling Elisha, hey, leave this good life behind. Forget about making a ton of money and being a rich farmer. Come with me. Point people to God. Be rejected. Be hated. And live a life of fear as queens chase you and try to kill you. It'll be a great time. Let's go. That's kind of what maybe he was thinking. Maybe he had a sense of pity for what he had to ask him to do. But of course, again, as mentioned this morning, to ask somebody to do such a thing, it would involve a great sacrifice, but to be committed to God, like we're supposed to be, it always involves a level of sacrifice. Now, this interaction, and what we see Elijah do to Elisha, reminds me of Jesus and his disciples. And I want to go to Matthew 4, and we see this. Jesus asked his disciples to leave a life of making money behind so that they could follow him. And, and we see one instance, and there's many, but we see one instance in Matthew chapter 4. And look at verse 18. Look at Matthew 4 and verse 18. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. So we see here that these, these two disciples, Peter and Andrew, like some of the other disciples, they were, they were fishermen. And, you know, they were likely doing well for themselves. Some of them owned their own business. Some of them uh, were in the family business. And yet Jesus tells them, hey, leave your life of trying to make money behind. Just come follow me. Follow me. Again, again, as mentioned this morning, follow me, a man who has no place to lay his head, who has no home, follow me. 
Give up your security, give up your money, give up your way of living and come with me. And as we see from verse 20, they did just that. They were fully committed to Christ. And no doubt they had heard and seen him do many wonderful things. They had seen him do great miracles. They knew that he was the son of God. And they were totally committed to following Christ. And I tell you what, we sure do need Christians that are willing to follow Christ in this way. We need Christians at Shiretown Baptist Church that are willing to sign the dotted line and be fully committed to Jesus Christ in every way possible. We need to be willing to be 100% on board with whatever it is that God asks of us to do. And consider that tonight. Are you willing to do that? Now, I want to bring up the ministry. You know, this may not involve a call to ministry, but you know, for some of you, it might. It might involve a call to ministry. If God called you, young man, if God called you to be a pastor, would you do it? Just, just think about that for a minute. If God called you to forsake your ideas of what you need to do in, in a career, and he called you to go into the ministry, would you do it? Would you be willing to give up your aspirations of making money and having a great career to follow God's call, or are you too concerned with self-gain and personal advancement? Now, I, I joke about Elijah and all the problems he went through and how it may have been difficult for him to ask Elijah to, to forsake his, his life of money to come with him. And, you know, I, I've heard people say many times to me, oh, you know, I wouldn't want your job. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do what you're doing. Uh, but I do want to say that while going into the ministry, maybe being a, a pastor, it gets a bad rap at times. I want you to know, at least I believe, that being in the ministry is a great work. And it is totally worth the effort, despite the hardships and discouragement. And listen, I've been doing this in a sense, in some way, for 10 years now. And I tell you what, especially before when you're working with teenagers, and no offense to teenagers, man, but sometimes working with teenagers is the worst. No offense. But man, like you pour your heart into people, and you pour your, your life into people, and you, and you try to... You try to encourage them to live godly and you invest year after year uh, as they're in middle school and high school in many cases just to see them forsake God. That's discouraging. It hurts. But there's no greater work. It's a great calling. It is, it is a privilege to study God's word and to teach it to people. And this, it's a great thing to be able to do that. And, you know, of course, we know that Paul, as he was talking to Timothy, he would concur with that. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. I just want to look at one verse here. First Timothy chapter 3, and, and look at verse 1. It says in verse 1, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, or an overseer, or an elder, or a pastor, he desireth a good work. He desireth a good work. Hey, listen, if you're called to be in the ministry, it's a great work. It's an excellent responsibility. It's a high calling, and it is a privilege to do that. Um, and what God was calling Elisha to do was a high calling, and it was a great thing. 
So if God's calling you to the gospel ministry to be a pastor, to be a missionary, that is a great work. It is a great, a great calling. It is a privilege. And I urge you to obey that call because, as Christ said, the harvest is indeed plenteous, but the laborers are few, and you will not regret it. Yes, you will be discouraged at times, but God will sustain you, and he will get you through. Charles Spurgeon, he said that if God calls you to the ministry, don't stoop to becoming a king. Now, I want to say that has absolutely nothing, being a pastor or in the ministry has absolutely nothing, that statement has nothing to do with uh, some earthly status. Nothing. Because a pastor is human just like everybody else. But it has everything to do with the fact that it is an honor to teach the people of God the word of God. It's an honor. Now, I know God does not call everyone to the ministry. Not everybody's going to have a time with like Elisha where they're called into to ministry. And that's, that's totally fine too. If God has not called you to the ministry, don't force yourself to go into the ministry. That, that would be detrimental to a future congregation. Detrimental to your life. But if God's not called you to the ministry, are you at least willing to serve Him in the vocation that He does have you in right now? Are you willing to sacrifice your finances for the Lord's work? Are you willing to give of your time to minister to other people and to labor for the Lord? When, when, when we need somebody in this church to step up and serve, are you willing to take that mantle like Elisha did and get to work even if it means a less convenient life for you, even if it means uh, less spare time for you? Just as Christ called the disciples, God called Elisha to do this great work. And now it was time for Elisha to make a decision. Now again, remember Physically, Elisha had a lot to lose, wouldn't you say? He had a lot to lose. So as Elijah placed this coat on him, how did he respond? Go back uh, to 1 Kings 19 and see his response. Secondly here, we see the farewell, and that's found in verse 20 here. Look at 1 Kings 19 and verse 20. He has a mantle thrown on him, and look what he says. Or look what it says. It says, and he left the oxen. And ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? What do we see here? Elisha obeyed the call of God. Elisha knew exactly what this man in this moment, and he asked Elijah for permission to go back and, and kiss his father and mother goodbye before he left on their journey. Elisha was willing to let everything go so that he could follow the Lord. He was willing to kiss it all goodbye. Now again, I ask you tonight, are you willing to do that? Elisha was all in. He was fully committed. And look, full commitment to God as a Christian, it involves loving God more than everything. And I tell you what, that's a hard thing, isn't it? It's a hard thing to make sure that you're constantly and actively loving God above all things. But that's what we're called to do. Go to Luke 14. Luke 14. And this is another passage where Jesus called disciples to forsake everything and follow Him. Look at Luke 14, verse 26, or 25. Look at verse 25. And in verse 25 it says, And there went great multitudes with him, 
And he turned and said unto them, and let me just stop right there, imagine this. Jesus is, is walking, and there's a great multitude of people following behind him. And this is what he turned and says to them. And look, what he said to them wasn't anything soft. It wasn't anything great that they were going to be so excited about. This was, again, like this morning, a call of self-denial. Look at verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father or mother, or and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. No, let me stop right there. When it says hate, it does not mean literally hate. Like, you can't, you're not going to be like, oh, I hate my mom. I'm not going to send her a card on Mother's Day. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the fact that your love for God is so strong that everything else behind it looks like hate because you just love him so much. Obviously, we're not, you don't literally have to hate your family. That's, that goes totally against the scriptures. But you need to even have, love God more than your own life, according to that verse. And look at verse 27. It says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross, come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Unless happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, and all that behold it, begin to mock him, saying, This man begun to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able to with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an, ar- an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. This is a call from Christ for his people to love God supremely. To be willing to do whatever it is that he asks of us to do. So consider tonight, do you love God supremely? Elisha, he was clearly wholehearted to being committed to whatever it is that God called him to do, to to going into the ministry and and doing what God wanted him to do, and he was not going to turn back. And this is proven by the next verse in our text. If you would go back to 1 Kings 19, we see this last verse in this chapter. Elisha was committed to God. And he proves it with what we see here in verse 21. In chapter 19, verse 21, it says, And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. So Elisha goes back to his family. He informs them of the next stage of his life and what God has called him to do. And he does not just kiss his family goodbye. He does not just tell his family goodbye. He throws a party. He has a farewell feast for him and his family and his friends as he was moving on to obey God's call for his life. And we learn from this that he was excited about his call. He was excited about what God had in store for him. He was joyfully and willingly leaving everything behind to follow God. And not only did he throw a party to say goodbye, he destroyed all of his tools that he used to farm with. And look what it says here. It says that he boiled their flesh... With the instruments of the oxen. He used the wood from the oxen tools to build a fire that would cook the meat that they were going to eat. So he destroyed it all. I think it's safe to say he was committed to God's call on his life, was he not? Without hesitation. 
Elisha burned the bridges behind him as he decided to obey God. He said, I am going to obey God and do what he's called me to do, and I'm not going to turn back. I'm not even going to give myself a chance to turn back. I'm going to burn all my tools so that I can't even give myself the option to turn back. I'm going to follow God. And he gave up his livelihood to obey the Lord. He abandoned everything to do what God had called him to do. He kissed his family, his occupation, his money, and his, his worldly possessions goodbye. He destroyed all of his old means of sustenance, and he trusted God. And in this, he was publicly letting everybody know that he was following the will of God. And after this party, and the destruction of his old tools... He followed Elijah and he became his aide. The, 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 the verse here in verse 21 tells us that he went after Elijah and he ministered unto him. And that is the same Hebrew word that's used of Joshua. That word ministered. As, as Joshua, we know he assisted Moses while he was leading the Israelites. And eventually Joshua would be the one that would take over uh, for the Israelites one day and lead them into the promised land. But Elisha, he was officially Elijah's successor. He was officially under the leadership of Elijah as uh, he followed God. And you know what? This here is the start of a mentorship. Elijah was now going to be mentoring Elisha. And even though we know Elijah, he wanted all of the Israelites to bow and worship God right then and there. At that very moment, he was greatly bothered by the fact that they didn't. He was coming to realize that his job was not to figure out things in the present, but rather to prepare other people for the future. That's what he, that was his job now. He was to prepare Elisha for what was to come. And you know what? Hear me, hear me. Listen, this is something that we as believers are all called to do. Think about this tonight. Do you, this is kind of a side note. Do you have someone in your life that's like an Elisha? Somebody that you are leading and discipling, and mentoring, and guiding. The saying goes that every Timothy needs a Paul, and every Elisha needs an Elijah. Every young man could use an older man that loves him, and pours their life into him, and invests in him. And listen, every young lady could use that with an older lady as well. We need to take initiative like Elijah did here, and listen, throw the mantle on the next generation to, to say, hey, listen, come along with me. Let's serve God together. Let's grow together. Let's learn together. And, and we need to be sure to push the next generation to serve the Lord with us, to do what the Bible says and provoke them unto love and good works. And look, God causes people to teach and disciple those that are younger, like Elijah would do for Elisha. Let's look at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, and look at verse 1. Titus 2 verse 1, we see, we see really a, a, a call for people to mentor and take people under their wing in the church. Look at verse 1, it says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged, women be, or the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine. Teachers of good things. That they, look what it says, that they may teach the young women to be sober, 
to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at the home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be, ash- uh, may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Hey, listen. It's not just the pastor's job to exhort people and to teach people and to disciple people and to, to, to lead people on. It's the church's job. All of us need to be doing this. We cannot just be concerned about ourselves. We need to help one another along. And listen, it doesn't matter what you may think. Look, if you're older and you have life experience and you have biblical wisdom, you're, you're a mature Christian, you're mature in the faith, you have a lot. You have a lot to offer to the younger generation in this church. You do. So use your experience, use your wisdom, use your knowledge of God's word to help lead those that are younger along in this journey. We need some Elijahs to find some Elishas. So, so think about that. Who are you helping along in this, the, the journey of the Christian faith? Uh, who are you uh, leading and teaching as we see here in Titus chapter, chapter 2? Uh, who are you teaching? Who are you helping along? But all in all, this, this whole passage in 1 Kings 19, really the main lesson that we find is that God's people need to be fully committed in following Him no matter the cost. Now, when you think about the number of people that may be here tonight, that really could be a variety of things. I don't know what that might mean for you. Again, it might mean for some of you that you do need to give up your ideas of a career and follow God's call to go into the ministry. To do what Elisha did and to let go of your personal ambitions to follow God's call on your life. It may mean that you need to burn bridges like Elisha did and not turn back. To, to give up on your dreams and your desires like Elisha did and, and as he just gave up and burned all of his livelihood. Again, Elisha, like the disciples, he had to forsake all to follow God, and that might be what God's calling you to do tonight. Full commitment to God could mean, again, many other things. It could mean just to stop uh, trying to be comfortable and and live your life for yourself. It could mean to start living for God, to to get involved in reaching other people. I, I said this, I believe, last week, but some people think that the church is just here to serve them, and they sit on the sidelines and they do nothing while a few people are doing everything. Listen, if you're a child of God... He has a job and a ministry for you to be a part of. But it's up to you to do what Elisha did and accept that. Again, it may mean you being obedient to God and helping aid the church and to minister to others and to serve those in the church and the community. And you think about Elisha. The fact that that he went from serving himself as a farmer to serving Elijah and ultimately God. He went from being concerned about his farm to being concerned about aiding Elijah in the ministry. A full commitment to God may mean, as I mentioned earlier too, to stop playing the part of a righteous Christian on Sunday and actually start living it out. To stop having one foot in and one foot out. To be committed to seek God and to seek to be holy as He is holy. Full commitment to God tonight for you might mean that you need to forsake a sin that you've been holding on to forever. To finally let it go. To finally prove that you love God more than you love your sin. 
It could be giving the Lord control of your business dealings or your finances or your family or your time. It could mean to finally just put Him above everything and show Him that you do love Him supremely. It could mean letting go of something that consumes your time so that you can actually take the time to pray and to study the Word of God like you're supposed to. To prioritize the, 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 your walk with God over worthless entertainment and, and activities. To, to finally commit to reading the Bible every day. To finally commit to taking the time to pray every day. To finally commit to leading your family in the way that God desires. Uh, we know that lukewarm and half-hearted Christianity is of no use to God. It's of no use. We need to be fully committed to Him. Again, whatever being fully committed means for you tonight, I pray that you will agree and follow Him. You know, in the end, no matter what full commitment may mean for each of us, obeying God, though it may involve earthly sacrifice, it means eternal gain. You know, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he said, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Everything that we gain on earth at the expense of what we gain for Christ is a loss. Paul saw every worldly gain as dung, as rubbish, as garbage. It was worthless in light of eternity. And there is no greater reward than the rewards that will await us in heaven if we fully commit to the will and the word of God. Now think about Elisha. Had he have said no, she's like, get that coat off me. <laughs> I'm not doing this. And he just continued to stay on plowing his field. He might have gotten richer. Maybe. He may have had many more wonderful possessions. Maybe he could have had, instead of 12 yoke of oxen, 24 yoke of oxen one day. He, maybe he could have had more servants and more money and more stuff and more leisure. Maybe even an early retirement. But in the end, if he were to do that when he stood before God, what good would all those things have done for him? He would not have been able to be rewarded in heaven. But not only that, he would not have had all the blessings of God that he allowed him to experience, even on the earth. You know, God would use Elisha in many great ways. He would use him to multiply food, to heal lepers, to help point other people to God. He saw God use him in great ways because he was obedient to forsake all and follow God's call on his life. And had he said no to God's call, not only would he have missed out on any blessings on earth, but again, he would have missed out on the eternal rewards that wait, would await him in heaven. Listen, being committed to God is always worth it. Always worth it. So again, I ask you tonight, are you fully committed to the Lord, regardless of the cost? I want to encourage all of us here tonight to, to reflect on our commitment to God. Consider what sacrifices you may need to make to fully align with his call for your life. And again, right along the same lines of this morning, I think all of us here could be more committed to God in one way or another, myself included. Again, maybe it's whether it's stepping into ministry or serving others or forsaking certain comforts or stability. Remember that true commitment brings earthly fulfillment, but most importantly, eternal rewards.
I want to encourage all of us not to be spectators, but active participants in God's work. Let's do something for the Lord. Let's be committed to God. Let's say with Elisha, I am fully committed to the Lord regardless of the cost. I, if, if that means leaving everything behind, I'll do it. God, I just want to do what you want me to do. Here am I, send me. Let's be committed to the Lord tonight. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.